This is the First and Big Ten Podcast with CNHI sports writers Kevin Brockway and Elton Hayes. It's time to talk college football. Welcome to the first and Big Ten podcast. This is our first episode. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana, joined by Elton Hayes of CNHI Sports uh, Pennsylvania. And we're hoping that this podcast is going to provide uh, a lot of information throughout the league, throughout the Big Ten. And uh, Elton's domain is obviously Penn State. My domain is Indiana and Purdue. But uh, we're going to try to hit all the uh, all the spots. And uh, Elton, I guess to begin. Uh, a topic that, uh, you know, uh, I wrote about uh, for a Big Ten preview page is uh, the league being more wide open with Urban Meyer departing. And certainly Ohio State has won uh, its share of championships during the Urban Meyer era there. But um, just your thoughts about uh, how open the league could be this year and certainly uh, Penn State with James Franklin being one of those contenders. Well, uh, you know, when, when a guy of uh, Meyer stature leaves, it kind of creates a vacuum. Uh, you wonder who's going to fill that, if it's going to be Ryan Day, uh, his former offensive coordinator, or a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who's, I believe, in his fifth year at Michigan, or a, a team like Penn State with uh, Franklin entering his sixth season. But uh, it definitely makes it more competitive. It's a, it's wide open. Um, Ohio State is always going to be stocked with um, talent, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that talent kind of materializes with the new head coach. But uh, it's going to be fun. It's you know, definitely wide open for the taking, and uh, – no, I'm interested to see how this thing shakes out. Yeah, me too. You know, obviously this is a big year for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, a lot of, you know, 0-4 against Ohio State. Urban Meyer is gone. So I think the thinking from the fan base there is there are really no more excuses that, you know, this is a year that he has to deliver and he's got the experienced quarterback in Shea Patterson to do it. He, he does. He has that. He's got, um, uh, was it Donovan Peoples-Jones at receiver, the defense, which – was um you know solid last year returns so uh, it, it's kind of now or never for Michigan, um you know you look at the East Penn State it's got a lot of talent a lot of young talent so um on paper you know and um as we see with the uh, latest AP the preseason AP poll that came out that has uh, Michigan ranked number seven it, everyone's kind of expecting uh Harbaugh and Michigan to step up and, and um you know take the prize this year. Yeah, you know, and they're going to be incorporating some more spread elements in their offense. You know. Uh... Obviously, uh, Harbaugh was discussing that during Big Ten Media Day just to try to kind of open it up and, and you know, uh, get with, uh, you know, an, an offense that uh, maybe it will be more fun for guys to play more modern and, and what mm-hmm. they're hoping is going to be more productive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting, too, is uh, Michigan lost a lot in the draft. Uh, we saw with the um, the uh, bowl game, the uh, I think it was what, 44 to 14 or something of that nature to Florida. You know, while the offense is there, it's going to be some question marks on defense. Um, you know, we saw those guys who sat out during the bowl game, and we saw how that how that ended, you know, um, against Michigan's favor. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But it, it's going to be interesting. Well, let's bounce to Ohio State now. You know, certainly, uh, you know, you, you've got some talented players coming back, led by J.K. Dobbins, and then uh, yeah. Justin Fields, uh, the, uh, the, the five-star uh, transfer quarterback from Georgia. Uh, there is probably that feeling that, you know, Ryan Day, a first-year coach, unproven, has never been a head coach uh, 
at, uh, at any level, although he was the interim coach for Ohio State for three years. But this is a team that Meyer left, uh, Meyer left the cupboard pretty full here. He, he did, and, that, and that's why it's always going to be difficult for me to, you know, pick against Ohio State, at least here in the near future. Um, like you said, you know, they, they lose a guy like uh, Dwayne Haskins to the draft, and you plug in a five-star, you know, blue-chip recruit in Justin Fields. Like you, you mentioned, J.K. Dobbins, uh, the receiving core is stocked. Uh, the defensive line is always going to be solid at Ohio State. So, um, you know, Michigan's got some uh, has some work to do if it wants to contend for that Big Ten crown. But uh, in my opinion, you know, there may be a new face roaming the sideline at Ohio State, but uh, that they, they will be my favorite until the end of the season or someone shows me otherwise. And it, when you look at the West, Elton, I, I think you've got a number of teams there uh, that uh, that can contend for the division title. Certainly, uh, you know, you, you take a look at Nebraska, and everyone is waiting for the Cornhuskers to come back. With uh, and Adrian Martinez is obviously, uh, you know, could be considered the best quarterback in the league coming back in year two in Scott Frost's offense. Then you've got uh, Wisconsin, obviously with Jonathan Taylor uh, as its Heisman hopeful at running back. Uh, you've got uh, Northwestern. Champion Purdue with Rondale Moore, but they have some questions defensively and on their offensive line. Uh, Minnesota with uh, Iowa with Kirk Ferentz. You've got a number of teams there uh, that can really contend uh, for the division title. I'm very excited to see how the West shakes out. Um, like you mentioned, it, it's anyone's game right now. There's no real clear-cut favorite. Um, a lot of people are high on Nebraska. Um, we saw the jump that University of Central Florida made in year two under Frost. And, um, you know, I, I do not see why he won't do the same at Nebraska with a guy like Adrian Martinez. Uh, Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State's kind of flown under the radar um, the past couple of seasons. Uh, he's got a great defense there led by a defensive end, Kenny Willikies, who should um, – you know, step up. Uh, Brian Lewerke returns at quarterback. Um, Iowa, you've got the dean of the Big Ten Conference and Kirk Ferentz. Uh, they've got J, uh, was A.J. Epinesa, defensive end. Um, Nate Stanley returns at quarterback. And uh, Wisconsin, which, you know, Wisconsin every year seems to just be formidable and is always in the Big Ten hunt. Uh, they got a guy, in uh, Jonathan Taylor, who rushed for, I believe, 2,100 yards last year. So it's anyone's game. Uh, P.J. Fleck, you, uh, you mentioned him as well. I'm expecting big things from Minnesota. I believe they had the uh, youngest team in the conference last year. They've got a little bit of experience under their belt. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see the uh, West un unfold. Yeah, no question. And I, I think it's, you know, with Wisconsin, it's going to come down to the quarterback play as it did last year. That was certainly a little bit of a, a disappointment. Can they get more production from their passing game to complement Taylor? I, I believe uh, they named it Jack Crone is, is the uh, new starting quarterback there. Yep, that's correct. Uh, the Hornerbrook went down to Florida State, so I know they're real high on them. I was listening to some um, some um, Big Ten radio over the weekend, and they were talking about what he brings to that passing attack. And uh, and you know, even so, with them kind of easing him into action this year as a starter, relying more more so on a on a Jonathan Taylor. So um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you you know when when you look at that division, you know, you've got six teams that can win it. I think the big question with that division is, are they going to be able to match up with any of the East heavyweights in the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis? That's going to be the you know, and there there was certainly a lot of talk. Uh, we were both at Big Ten media days about the disparity between the two divisions mm -hmm. and there's a thought that the West is getting stronger and maybe it is, but is it getting strong enough? I think that's, that's kind of the big question. Is there really going to be an elite team to emerge? And, you know, Nebraska might 
be the best shot in that in terms of their tradition and their talent. Yeah. Everyone keeps on waiting for them to come. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, you joke around. It's like the uh, Charlie Brown, the great pumpkin, right? We keep waiting for <laughs> Nebraska to come back. Well, they definitely um, but, ended you know, the year on a good note last year, going four and two in their last six games. So uh, the foundation's there. Oh, yeah, no, no question about it. And I think Frost is a bright mind. He's a bright offensive mind. He's a guy that uh, certainly has gotten that fan base together. And we know the resources at Nebraska. I mean, we know that, you know, he's going to get all the support he needs to build that program back and build it back into, uh, you know, maybe the the team it was in the 90s, that power team that could, uh, you know, uh, be a year-in and year-out national Mm -hmm. contender. And uh, I think that would be good for the Big Ten. Uh, that was part of the uh, Big Ten's hope when it brought over Nebraska from the Big 12 a few years ago, was that it could kind of, you know, um, return. Nebraska could kind of, you know, add further to the Big Ten's history with that legacy that it brought with it. And so uh, it's only a matter of time to see that happen. I believe Scott Frost is the right man for the uh, for the job. He he has the knowledge of that program. He has the respect of that fan base. And it'll be interesting to see how long it takes him to kind of uh, restore Nebraska back to its glory. You know, within the state, Purdue is an interesting team because of Jeff Brom going into his third season. Certainly a bright offensive mind, uh, but uh, a team that, uh, you know, kind of ended the season on note when uh, losing 63 to 14 to Auburn in, in the Music City Bowl. And uh, a team with some dynamic playmakers. I, I just wonder if the defense is going to be enough, if they can get the defense back to where they're hoping, which is that 2017 level of, of defense that, that really was able to shut teams down, uh, uh, you know, on a, on a game in and game out basis. They didn't have it last year and they're, they're hoping to regain that. And I think that's really the key of the season. And, you know, you have a Cindelier is a, a, a good quarterback yeah. and uh, he can get his playmakers the ball. And from watching their practices, uh, TJ Sheffield uh, looks like he has the potential to be uh, uh, another playmaker, maybe not in the Rondale Moore type, but he can run and catch some balls in space and, they've got plenty of guys offensively and they play at such a quick tempo, you know, they're going to score. I think the big question for Purdue is, is they're going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, play defense for the rest of the big boys in the big 10. Well, we'll find that out soon. I, I believe Purdue uh, travels to Nevada um, on Thursday. On Friday. That's correct. Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Friday. So uh, like, like you said, on offense, the playmakers are there. You got a guy like Rondell Moore and he masks a lot of deficiencies. Um, I believe Sinclair is a, uh, fifth or sixth year senior um so you know he brings the knowledge of that he uh he started a couple games last year um in relief of uh david blau i believe when he was hurt but uh you know if if purdue wants to be competitive in that big 10 west that we talked about that's just becoming stronger and stronger it's gonna have to do so with the defense um so uh i, I guess we'll see what happens Okay, and so uh, in our next segment, uh, we're going to discuss, take a little bit of a, a deeper dive into uh, the quarterbacks and the coaches uh, in the league. Uh, so uh, stay tuned, and uh, this is Kevin Brockway and uh, Elton Hayes. Uh, we'll be back in uh, just a moment. Want to see more from Kevin and Elton? Subscribe to a CNHI newspaper near you. Welcome back to the First in Big Ten podcast. Kevin Brockway with uh, Elton Hayes. And you've got six Big Ten programs who are going to be uh, debuting new starters this weekend. And let's begin at Ohio State with Justin Fields, a guy who transferred from Georgia, could not unseat Jacob Fromm down there, but a five-star recruit, as we touched on earlier. 
and uh, a dual threat guy, somebody that uh, can make plays uh, with his arm as well as with his leg and legs. And he'll, he'll be certainly someone that can fit into Ryan Day's system. Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, we saw a glimpse of him last year uh, when he played uh, <laughs> most notably in that uh, SEC championship game where they called the fake punt and they knew he was going to run it. But uh, that's besides the point. But uh, he had a solid year. His, um, you know, he what, completed 27 of 39 passes for 328 yards, um, four touchdowns, also ran for another 260 yards or 260 yards and a handful of touchdowns. So, uh, you know, he, he's the mold of quarterback that Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, when he was offensive quarter, coordinator, went after. And um, I, I look for him to do well in that offense, especially with a um, outlet, you know, in the backfield like J.K. Dobbins. So, um, you know, he's in good hands. No question. And then we, uh, you know, you move on to Penn State, school that you cover. Sean Clifford uh, gets the job there and obviously has uh, big uh, shoes to fill and trace McSorley. And uh, what, what were some of the things that uh, stood out about Sean during fall camp that uh, allowed him to win that job? This is his leadership. You know, he just had a real command of that offense. The players responded very well. Um, heading into fall camp, you know, he's the only quarterback on Penn State's roster who actually played a collegiate snap. Um, he was five of seven last year for, I believe, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, he has a pretty deep ball. And uh, when Tommy Stevens left for Mississippi State, you know, everyone just kind of knew that he was going to be the guy. It, it took Penn State until last Friday to um, anoint him as such. But um, a lot of confidence in him. Um, they say that, uh, you know, his four, his four, three or his 40 speed right now is about the same as McSorley's was his senior year. So a lot of uh optimism and happy valley toward uh, Clifford and what he can bring to that program. Yeah. And James Franklin, an offensive coach, I'm sure he's going to put him in a lot of positions to be successful. Definitely. Definitely. And and they've got some good weapons around him on um, Pat Firemuth. I know we're talking about quarterbacks right now, but uh, Pat, Pat Firemuth um, was uh, second in the country of tight ends for uh, touchdowns last year with eight and uh, as a sophomore. So uh, he's or, sorry as a freshman. So he's expected to um, really make Clifford's transition into that starting role a lot easier when you have an outlet like that. Yep, and uh, in Indiana, they just announced their starting quarterback on Monday. It was about uh, an hour Michael ago, Penix. right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, Michael Penix Jr., uh, a guy from uh, you know uh, Tampa, uh, another guy with uh, a little bit of SEC roots. He decommitted from Tennessee. And, and as a true freshman, actually appeared in three games last season, uh, but uh, tore his ACL against Penn State on October 21st and pretty amazingly got back in time for fall camp, less than 10 months, and uh, went out and won the starting job. And he feels like he's not going to have any rust. He's uh, ready. And, and he showed uh, in practices uh, really, I think, the, uh, the strongest arm. Uh, he's got some mobility, and uh, he's a guy that uh, – uh, the coaches are really impressed with his poise. They think that he's a guy that the team believes in because he, he stays calm under pressure. And uh, I, I think he's a guy that uh, certainly, uh, you know, as Indiana is trying to build this program, uh, is a guy that uh, they are hoping that uh, their team can rally around. Yeah, you and I spoke a lot about him at uh, Media Days when we were kind of talking about um, Indiana crossing that threshold to so that, that six-win threshold become bowl eligible. And you said that uh, you believe he's the guy who can really um, just kind of, you know, in, in, inject life into that offense and, and move the ball downfield. So uh, he's finally going to get his chance. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that's uh, really interesting, uh, you know, going forward with him is he's got uh, some good running backs. 
uh, a really deep running back uh, room led by Stevie Scott, who was uh, all for, all freshman Big Ten running back. I mean, uh, a guy that uh, ran for over a thousand yards. Tom Allen has built a program there. Got some uh, speedy receivers too, and Wap Fillier and uh, Miles Marshall. So I think that there's some pieces around uh, a good offensive line with three starters returning. But uh, so so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can kind of help him along. I, I think it's going to be. Uh, you know, interesting to see and, and allow Mike to grow a little bit through those early starts, particularly in Big Ten play. But, yeah. you know, he's going to get he's – got, he's been getting a lot of reps really the last couple of weeks in practice. And these first couple of – and uh, Eastern Illinois, I think, will allow him also to kind of settle in uh, before the big showdown week three against Ohio State. Definitely. And speaking of uh, of um, Big Ten programs naming a starting quarterback today, Maryland just did so in the last 20 minutes uh, – Named Josh Jackson, the Virginia Tech transfer, will be their uh, QB one against the um, Howard on Saturday. So that was interesting. Yeah, to see. and the guy started what thirteen games and threw for twenty nine hundred and ninety one yards yeah. and twenty TDs. Certainly a talented guy. Yeah, and and you know he was in line for another good year um, last season before he uh, broke his leg against Old Dominion, and I think it was week three. But uh, you know he's a guy who I know Maryland was very excited to get. Loxley has been very high on him this off season. And, um, you know, he's coming over as a graduate transfer, and um, he's really, I guess, ingratiated himself to the players of that program. And, you know, Mike Loxley, another coach with an offensive background, somebody that will, you know, bring him along, maybe allow him to take a few chances that uh, maybe a deep, more defensive-minded coach wouldn't allow someone to take. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, that's Loxley did well when he was at Alabama. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they work with him and Anthony McFarlane, who was one of uh, just the NCAA's best rushers as a freshman last year. But um, Jackson's one of those dual threat guys. They can do some RPO with them. Um, so the possibilities are endless at Maryland. I know um, the folks up there are excited, and I know Loxley's, Loxley's excited to finally be back in his home area and um, coaching a team that he cheered for it a lot growing up as a kid. Yeah, and uh, in rounding out the two new quarterbacks, uh, two more guys that are transfers. First at Northwestern, Hunter Johnson, a guy that uh, played for a national championship program in Clemson, and uh, he's a guy that uh, is going to get a chance uh, to uh, you know ha- you know win his own job after Trevor Lawrence uh, beat him out, obviously, uh, and took Clemson to another national <laughs> title last year. I think that's two guys now that uh, Trevor Lawrence has run out at him and uh, Kelly Bryant. But uh, but uh, Johnson's one of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of Northwestern's biggest recruits. Uh, well, essentially a recruit. You know, he came into Clemson as a five-star guy, um, did very well, was 21 for 27, 234 passing yards and two touchdowns in seven games for Clemson. Um, he comes in there to a program one season removed from winning a Big Ten division title. And uh, I'm excited to see what he does. And then Brandon Peters uh, at Illinois is a Michigan graduate transfer. And that's something you don't see every day. Definitely. Transferring within the conference. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And and that's going to be – that's going to be – Curious as, as Lovey Smith continues to try to rebuild down in Illinois. Yeah, well, you know, he, you know, I, I was listening to um, something earlier, and they're talking about Lovey Smith's just kind of rebuilding efforts with the type of recruits he's going after. He's really hit uh, the Florida area hard for recruits, and bringing a guy in like Peters, you know, Lovey Smith wants to win now, and he kind of has to. You know, his name's kind of come up in circles as 
kind of teetering on being on the hot seat and uh, he's doing everything he can to keep his job. And I think adding a guy like uh, Brandon Peters to that offense will be good. Um, There's another uh, freshman quarterback they have there, Isaiah Williams, not to be confused with juice Isaiah Williams, who was at Illinois, um, you know, maybe about five years, five or 10 years ago. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he pushes Peters for playing time, but he's supposedly a, a real dynamic kid. No question. So the, those are the six new ones, and uh, we've touched on some of the more experienced or the more talented ones and Adrian Martinez and uh, Shea Patterson. This shapes up, I think, to be a pretty good year for Big Ten quarterbacks in terms of, uh, you know, the, the league traditionally produces guys that go to the NFL. Yeah. And uh, I think you're going to see – uh, some dynamic passing attacks throughout the uh, league this season. And definitely look for Brian Lewerke, who's finally healthy again for Michigan State to thrive in that offense. No question, it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, you know watch some of these guys sling the ball around on Saturday. So stay tuned to the first and Big Ten podcast. Don't go anywhere because it's time for Voices of the Gridiron. Here's today's special guest. We are back on the first in uh, Big Ten podcast, uh, Kevin Brockway uh, from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Penn State and uh, Pennsylvania, covering Penn State. And uh, our first guest uh, of, of our inaugural podcast is the uh, managing editor for a website, Saturday Tradition, which covers all things Big, Big Ten. He does a, a marvelous job. Uh, Dustin Schutte. Dustin, a pleasure to have you on. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Pleasure to be on. All right, Dustin. Well, uh, let's begin with, uh, you know, our topic, which we wrote about uh, for our first Big Ten page. Um, The Big Ten being more wide open uh, with Urban Meyer leaving the conference. Uh, Your assessment of that, I I know you did your power rankings recently. Uh, Is this a time for other programs to step up? And if so, what other programs do you think have a shot at the Big Ten title, if not Ohio State? it is wide open and that's not just in the Big Ten West although I know that that's the division that's getting the most attention as a te- as a division in which six different teams could win it but you look at the Big Ten East it's still very top heavy Ohio State is still a contender but when you talk about Urban Meyer leaving and now Ryan Day is a first-year head coach you have Dwayne Haskins who's no longer there they are making some switches on the defensive staff they lost a lot of talent from a year ago the good news with the Buckeyes is always they bring in a lot of talent, always have a lot of talent on the sideline. My thing is I think that there's enough talent in the top four teams there in the Big Ten East, and that's Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. I think any of those four teams could really win that division, uh, especially when you consider um, what Michigan brings back on both sides of the football. Michigan State obviously has some offensive questions to answer, but they're a really good defensive team. It was one of the best defensive teams in the nation last year. And then Penn State's just loaded on both sides of the ball, although they do have the inexperience and a lot of youth uh, on the roster, so they will be a little bit uh, greener than the other three teams. And then out west, just a wide-open shootout. You could you know, draw a name out of the hat, and you might have a better uh, idea of picking who's going to win the West Division. But this is a wide-open league. It should be a really fun league, and I think that Urban Meyer's departure is a big reason why. And uh, your thoughts, uh, Dusty, your, your power ratings, you had Michigan uh, first. Uh, w- what makes you so bullish on the Wolverines this season? 
I really value what Jim Harbaugh was able to do in bringing in Josh Gaddis. Uh, I think he's relinquishing the reins a little bit. He's willing to try something a little bit different that they haven't done at Michigan before. And now I think you're going to see Michigan finally have the opportunity to uh, use its playmakers, uh, try to get more explosive plays. That's not to say that they didn't have explosive plays last season or even in years past, but now you're going to see them take chances down the field. You're going to see an up-tempo offense. This is going to be an offense, I'd like to say, similar to what we've seen at Ohio State. Maybe not exactly the same way, but similar in the fact that this is a team that's going to want to take advantage, move the ball up-tempo and score a lot of points, and then say, hey, our, our defense is good enough to win games. So I think the addition of Josh Gaddis, I know everybody's talking about it, and, and everybody sees that as the game changer. Uh, I really do see that as, as the difference there in Ann Arbor. And then you return guys like Shea Patterson at quarterback, and, and he's, uh, I think, one of the top quarterbacks not only in the Big Ten but in the country. He's a great decision maker. He's got underrated athleticism. He can make every throw in the book. Uh, when you factor that in with some of the receivers they got coming back in Tarek Black, Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, and then they're always stout on the defensive side of the ball. As, as long as Don Brown's calling the shots, I'm going to trust Michigan's defense, especially uh, some of the linebackers there with Josh, Josh Ucci and uh, Khalid Hudson. So I like what uh, Michigan has both sides of the ball, and I like the, the staff that they've got uh, in Ann Arbor as well. Hey, Dustin, this is Elton, uh, Phoenix at Pennsylvania here in uh, State College. Um, I don't hear locally a lot of folks that penciled in this uh, game Atlantic, uh, for the Nitton Lions. It's kind of being a, um, uh, you know, a one on the calendar that can really make or break the uh, Nitton Lions defense. Um, and looking at your power rankings, I see that you have Michigan State slated at number two. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are very, very high on defensive end. Kenny Willitus, um, after the year he's had, um, this is going to stay off the line for a couple of games to run. Um, after going seven and six, what is the win loss? What have you seen from them? Is this your research and our preseason analysis uh, that makes you think that they will uh, really turn the corner this season? Well, when you look at what they bring back defensively, and you talked about it, Kenny Willekes and uh, Joe Bocci and, and Josiah Scott in the secondary, they've got a lot of really good pieces on the defense that they could be as good or even better than they were a season ago. Uh, and when you're able to shut down the run, you're going to give yourself a chance to win just about every ball game you're in, especially in the Big Ten. What I think is going to be the difference for Michigan State is I feel like that offense last year was an aberration. That was to me, an outlier. I don't think you could see an offense perform that poorly under Mark Chantonio again. Uh, a big reason was obviously injuries. They had issues up front uh, on the offensive line. They lost uh, their top receiver, Felton Davis, midway through the season. And so as those injuries piled up, you saw Michigan State's production continue to drop. Uh, and the same can be said there. They couldn't establish a, a rushing game. They battled some, some nicks and bruises on the rushing attack as well. If Brian Lewerke is healthy, can return to his sophomore self, if the offensive line can stay healthy. I really like the receiving core they got with uh, Daryl Stewart, with Cody White. I think they've got some nice pieces with Connor Hayward in the backfield. And they do have a talented offensive line. It's just a matter of if they can stay healthy. So I think it, even if Michigan State's defense, their offense is 50% better, they're going to win a lot of ball games just because their defense is so good. Okay. Well, um... Yeah, uh, another topic of the, the big ten here. Uh, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, if you kind of glance into the crystal ball and, and look at Europe, 
I guess, preseason Heisman favorites. You know, everyone's talking about Jonathan Taylor, Apple Thompson, and Jay Patterson out of Michigan, and, and for good reason after the numbers they produced last year. Um, do you have any other people you think who can emerge by season's end as kind of a dark horse candidate for all that of the conference? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, I think a lot of people would say Adrian Martinez at Nebraska has a really good shot considering how fast Scott Frost wants to play and the skill set that he brings. That's a that's a kid that battled through injury early in the season last year, but he still threw the ball well. He rushed the ball well. He's a good decision maker for a young kid, so that's a kid that's definitely going to be in the running, I think, at the end of the year, especially if uh, Nebraska – what I think they can do is, is double their win total. I think he's going to be in the conversation. The, I guess you could say the upset pick, the dark horse, is going to be Rondale Moore. And I know he gets a ton of attention, so you may say dark horse and say not really. All we've heard about all out of Purdue has been Rondale Moore. But I think when you look, you know, a wide receiver hasn't won that award in three decades, you know, since Desmond Howard won it in 1991 at Michigan. And I think he's talented enough to win the award. Whether or not Purdue is good enough, that's going to be the biggest setback, I think, for him. Um, so I, I don't know that he'll get there this year, but that, that's a name I could see emerging towards the end of the season and maybe even into next season as a potential dark horse. And that brings you to uh, my question uh, here, Dustin. Uh, you create a little bit of a stir on social media and your Big Ten power rankings and having Indiana number 10 and Purdue number 12. Uh, some Boilermaker fans were a little upset, but uh, just your thoughts on uh, both programs and why you think Indiana potentially could have a better year than Purdue. Yeah, well, it wasn't just on social media. My wife is a Purdue graduate, so I was getting some backlash <laughs> in my own house. <laughs> so, um, the, the thing I don't like about Purdue is the offensive line. The fact that they lost, I think it's 71, 72% of their offensive production from a season ago. And half of what returns is who we just talked about, Rondale Moore. So, and the defense, I think, is going to be really good this year. Uh, what you're going to see from Purdue is a team similar to 2017, where the offense was, you know, hit or miss on a week-to-week basis, but the defense was still pretty solid. I don't know that Purdue's defense is as good in 2019 as it was in 2017 to get to that 6-6 six and six mark. I think that eventually... Purdue in in a year or two is going to compete for the Big Ten West right up there with Nebraska. But when you consider what they've got coming in, some really talented wide receivers, that's the good thing. The bad thing is with that offensive line, I don't know if Elijah Sindelar is going to have enough time to get them the ball where they can make plays consistently. So that's my biggest concern with Purdue. And Indiana, it feels like we say this every year with the Hoosiers, right? Like, I've compared them to the Chicago Cubs pre-World Series because it seems like every year that's the team that you look at the schedule and you look at what they've got on the roster, you're like, this team can win eight wins, get to eight wins, and yet they always seem to fall short of that. This year, I like what they have at receiver with Nick Westbrook, Donovan Hale, Watt Filiar. They're making a change at quarterback with Mike Penix running the show, and you've got Kalen DeBoer now as the offensive coordinator, so I think that like we talked about with Michigan and Josh Gaddis, I think that's really going to open things up for the Hoosiers this year. Defensively, they've always been pretty good under Tom Allen. They'll have to, I think, maybe force a few more turnovers than they had last season. But this is an Indiana team that I think has a lot of talent. Not a lot of people are 
considering the Hoosiers to be a contender in the Big Ten East. I wouldn't put them in that category. But this is a team that could definitely pull off an upset. They could beat a Michigan or a Michigan State on, on one Saturday in the fall. They've been really close in the past. They get some of those games at home. I think that this is a team that can win seven or eight games, but you know, you you got to prove it at some point, and, and so far they haven't done it. Um, but I, I guess when you look at the Hoosiers, all that matters is that old Oak and Bucket game, and if if they win that, I think that they get to six wins because they they should go three and zero in the non conference, should get wins over Rutgers and Maryland, and if you beat Purdue, you're bowl eligible. And at the end of the day, for Tom Allen and the Hoosiers, that's really all that matters. Your thoughts on the, you know, you mentioned Shea Patterson, you mentioned Adrian Martinez. Any other, you just uh, released your quarterback uh, power rankings. Any other quarterbacks you feel like this year that could surprise? I mean, could Mike Penix be a guy that uh, emerges out of nowhere? Are there any other quarterbacks you're kind of high on this year? Well, there's a couple quarterbacks that I'm interested. I don't know if I would say I'm high on them. Um, If you believe everything that's coming out of Bloomington about Mike Penix and what he can do as a runner and a thrower – and again, with DeBoer calling the shots and kind of speeding up that offense, utilizing his skill set, I think he's a guy who could be a top in, in the top half of the Big Ten in the in the uh, quarterback rankings. I don't know that he's a top three or top five guy just because he's a little bit inexperienced, uh, still learning a new system. But another guy that I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, are overlooking is Hunter Johnson at Northwestern. This is a kid who was a former five-star quarterback. I think he was one of the top five players as a recruit in the nation uh, when he originally committed to Clemson. He hasn't played football in a year. He's expected to be the starter for Northwestern. And I'm excited to see what he can do, assuming he's the starter in week one against Stanford, what he's going to be able to do. Because that's a guy who there's a lot of uncertainty. Is he going to be the Hunter Johnson uh, that that uh, was the five-star quarterback and had a potential to be the starter at Clemson? Or is this going to be a Pat Fitzgerald version of Hunter Johnson and he doesn't maybe allow him to open up the field as much as, as you might like to see for a five-star quarterback? So I'd say those are two guys. The, the third guy I would throw in that category is Sean Clifford at Penn State because this is a guy who has enormous shoes to fill with Trace McSorley gone and Tommy Stevens headed to Mississippi State. There's not a lot known about him. Um, he seems to be a consistent passer. He's a little bit more mobile than I think people give him credit. We saw that a little bit in the spring game. But he's going to have some really huge shoes to fill. But he's a guy that I think can get on the radar, and he can also climb into maybe the top half of the Big Ten quarterback rankings at some point in this season. Final question, uh, Dustin. Uh, the biggest surprise in this Big Ten season will be what? I would have to say with go with my uh, Big Ten West pick, and that's I think Minnesota this year is going to win the Big Ten West. I think you're going to see a, what you would say the little brown jug for the Big Ten championship game with Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, I know that what P.J. Flex sometimes comes off as cliche or silly or quirky or whatever, but when you look at what Minnesota has returning, they've got three running backs who have led the team in rushing at some point in their career, and Mohamed Ibrahim, uh, Rodney Smith, and Shannon Brooks. You've got a couple really good receivers in Ottman Bell, Tyler Johnson, and uh, Rashad Bateman. You've got some monsters on the front line. You made a defensive change last year that helped you win three of your final four games. you got Antoine Winfield coming back. You've got uh, Carter Coughlin on the defensive line. There's a lot to like about the Minnesota Golden Gophers this year, and 
I mean, I, I guess you could say I'm rowing the boat, but that, that's my bold prediction that the Gophers get it done in the West this year. All right, row the boat. Row, row, row the boat, right? Well, they'll get a chance to start that, um, that season off tomorrow against San Diego State. That'll be very exciting. <laughs> All right, well, Dustin, we greatly appreciate your time. That's Dustin Schutte from Saturday Tradition. And coming up next, our predictions for all 14 Big Ten games. This is Kevin Brockway and Elton Hayes on the First and Big Ten podcast. Get the latest Big Ten, IU, Purdue, and Penn State football news by following the guys on Twitter. Kevin is at Kevin Brockway G1, and Elton is at EHDC12. For the first Big Ten podcast, Kevin Brockway with Elton Hayes, and we're ready for some predictions. We're ready to uh, put our knowledge on the line here and uh, go down all 14 uh, Big Ten games, and uh, you know, uh, for uh, for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> no, definitely. We'll, uh, <laughs> I want to take any of these to the bank, but this is all in fun. All in fun. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get there for sure. But uh, let, let's begin with South Dakota State at Minnesota Thursday night, 9 p.m. contest, and uh, but by all accounts, uh, you know the PJ Fleck era should uh, get off to a good start. I'm going to take Minnesota. I, I think he goes one to zero with ease. No question. Tulsa at, Missis- at uh, Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State, a Friday night game at 7 o'clock. Michigan State, a big favorite in this one by uh, more than 22 points. And, I don't... Uh, we, we've, touched on the, we've touched on the defense. I, I, I think the defense will be uh, will, will show in full stretch. Michigan State's going to have some issues offensively that we'll see down the road, but I don't think it will be. Too no, bad. not against Tulsa. I think Mich- Michigan State uh, wins with ease in this one here. Yep. Wisconsin, number 19, Wisconsin, going down to Tampa, Florida to face USF, University of South Florida, another Friday night game. And that could be a little interesting in so much of the fact that whenever you play in Florida in, uh, you know, late August, early September, you got to deal with the heat and humidity a little bit down there. I mean, it's going to be, it could be tough for some of those Wisconsin players. uh, If USF can manage to hang around, Charlie Strong is a very good defensive uh, coach. Um, you know, former head coach at Louisville, former head coach at Texas. He's trying to build that program. I still think Wisconsin's going to pull it out, but it may be. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a one-score game. Yeah, um, you know, this is. A, I know Purdue's heading over to Nevada early to kind of get acclimated to the altitude. Uh, I wonder if Paul Chris would have been better served maybe uh, booking a uh, uh, booking his team uh, uh, to leave a day early to get used to that South Florida humidity. A little bit different than the uh, temperatures up in Madison this time of the year, but uh, I, I think Jonathan Taylor, you know, rushes for. Uh, Easily crosses the 100 um, rushing yard uh, threshold. And uh, I think Wisconsin wins by 17. Yeah. And, you know, I think these Big Ten teams going down to the state of Florida is probably pretty good for recruiting, too. To, it you know, it get is. Their brand down there to Definitely. be seen. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. No, no question. UMass at Rutgers. Uh, so uh, Clash of the Titans along the banks <laughs> of the Raritan River uh, in uh, beautiful Piscataway, New Jersey here. Uh, Rutgers, I mean, what can you say? They, they've had a lot of issues since joining the Big Ten. This, however, I think is a game they should win and get off uh, on the right foot. I've got this one in a uh, win column for Rutgers. So the Scarlet Knights getting off to a 1-0 start. Purdue at Nevada. We've touched on this game a little bit before. Yeah. Uh, Purdue leaving a day early, a couple of days early to deal with the altitude in Reno. It's about 4,000 feet there. 
And, uh, you know, Nevada is kind of an interesting team. You know, they, they won a bowl game, the Arizona bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and uh, you know, they, they, they have a, a running back coming back to a towel who is a, a guy that, uh, you know, was the uh, Mountain West player of the year last year um, or Mountain West freshman of the year, excuse me. Pretty good, pretty decent running game. All right, and Lorenzo Neal not going to play in this game, and he's their run stuffer inside. So it could be tough a little bit out there for Purdue dealing with the altitude. Uh, but I still think they're going to find a way to win this game uh, in, in Reno and get off to a 1-0 start. This is the, Okay, I know Rondell Moore um, in the, in the uh, season opener last year, I think, had 313 all-purpose yards. So um, I, I look for him to uh, not replicate those type of numbers, but I, I think he kicks off his uh, his Heisman campaign in, a, in, a, in fine form. Watch out for all those Purdue receivers. I mean, as long as Cindelier can get him the ball, I, I think they're going to be off and running there uh, out in uh, – out in Reno for sure. Um, so that, uh, you know, uh, will be, uh, will be another one of those games, uh, worth, worth watching for sure. Definitely. And, and, and it's a Friday now night we've got Ohio game too, State. so we get a lot of eyes. A Friday night, nine, nine thirty on CBS uh, sports. So now we got Saturday at noon. We've got, uh, Florida Atlantic, Lane Kiffin <laughs> coming to the horseshoe to face Ohio State, number five, Ohio State. I think uh, Ryan Day gets off to a pretty good start here, and uh, they I, I think so. I, I think Justin Fields, have, you know, uh, has a four touchdown performance. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins will do well, and um, Ryan Day goes one and zero. Yep, South Alabama at number twenty four, Nebraska. We've uh, certainly talked up Nebraska how they finished last year, winning four of their last six. Uh, South Alabama was a team a couple of years ago. They upset Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, in an opener, but uh, I think Nebraska will be too tough, and that's a that's a long trip from Mobile. Very uh, long to trip. <laughs> so you're going I'm, Nebraska. I'm taking also. Nebraska. Okay, Howard at Maryland. Well, uh, the... <laughs> this will be an interesting matchup. Uh, there'll be a lot of people in the D.C. area with eyes on this one. My dad went to how to Howard. I went to Maryland, so uh, I'm sure he'll be he'll be talking some trash. But uh, I, you know, Loxley, um, there'll be a lot of energy in College Park that afternoon, and um, I, I think he starts off his era at Maryland on the right foot. Um, Cam Cam Newton's yeah, I, brothers. I'll, the... I'll go with I'll go with. Mm-hmm. I'll go with Maryland also. Yeah, I kind of I, I kind of like the Terps in, in that one. Uh, but uh, like you said, it'll be a you know, it'll be an interesting uh, game because of, uh, you know, the proximity of the two fan bases. And Howard is certainly a team within its conference has played well. Yeah. And um, I believe Kalen, uh, Kalen uh, Newton, Cam's brother, is the quarterback over at Howard. So. Indiana at Ball State, a noon uh, Eastern uh, kickoff at Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Colts, where obviously the big news last Saturday was Andrew Luck's surprise retirement, uh, for sure. That shocked the uh, sports world, to cut into the uh, Florida-Miami game, and I about fell out of my chair when I saw it uh, flash across the ticker. <laughs> I, th- I think we all did, but uh, <laughs> the Hoosiers are 17-point uh, favorites in this one. Uh, uh, going up to Indianapolis, where, uh, uh, but there'll be a lot of cream and crimson in the stands for sure uh, for this game. It's only 50 miles from campus, from uh, Bloomington uh, up uh, up to downtown Indy, so uh, it should be a good crowd. And uh, Indiana's a 17 point favorite. Mike Penix's uh, first start, yeah. and I-, I think the Hoosiers win this one. Going yeah, away. No, I agree. Uh, I think Stevie Smith, uh, Stevie Scott Jr. or the third rather, has a, um, a a good showing on the ground. Also, kind of helped Penix. 
the Akron Zips at Illinois, another noon kickoff. And uh, Illinois, we, we've touched on Lovey Smith, uh, definitely a guy that's kind of on the hot seat here. He's got to get off uh, on, on the right foot here, and, and I believe uh, Against Akron, I, I don't foresee Illinois having any problems with them. Um, I think they start the year off on the uh, right foot. The Idaho Vandals come to Penn State, yeah. come to Happy Valley, a Saturday 3.30 uh, p.m. game. I, I got a chance to see Idaho play uh, – at Florida last year and they just got obliterated. So I, I can't, uh, you know, fathom any chance that they would have uh, to beat Penn state uh, uh, in college, uh, college no. park, right? Um, Beaver Satan would be uh, rocking. Um, Big 10 network uh, announced earlier today. It's coming for its tailgate. Um, Big 10 network tailgate. Uh, you got have 107,000 screaming fans um, who've waited all off season for some uh, football. And unfortunately I, Idaho, I think it's going to be on the, uh, the wrong end of the, uh, of, of beating here, but I think Penn State rolls easily and uh, maintains its its um, undefeated season intact in after week one. Northwestern at number 25, Stanford, uh, going to California. This is really the marquee game of the week, two power five schools. Definitely. Uh, you know, a, a Rose Bowl kind of matchup. Yeah. You got the Big Ten against the Pac-12. And uh, Stanford, no more Bryce Love, who is obviously dynamic running back and They've got some issues in Northwestern. We touched on uh, Hunter Johnson making his first start. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the you know is this the game where Northwestern can pull it out? I'll still go with Stanford because they're at home and they're at Cardinal Stadium. But uh, you know this is a toss up. Northwestern play. has one of the best uh, linebackers, uh, not the big team, but the country, in, in Patty Fisher. And uh, I, I think Northwestern upset Stanford. I'm going to take right. I'm going to so take Northwestern got, uh, on this one. We've got our first uh, disagreement. You, you're going uh, with Northwestern, and I'm going with Stanford. So that's pretty good. Middle Tennessee at number seven, Michigan. Uh, the Blue Raiders, the mighty Blue Raiders, uh, go to the big house, and uh, it's a, a night game, 7.30 p.m. I'm sure it'll be a charged atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go with uh, Michigan and Big Blue in this one uh, going away. I would agree with you on this one. I, I think Michigan has no problem on taking care of Middle Tennessee. And another Saturday night. At uh, number twenty, Iowa, uh, we'll go with the Hawkeyes here. Kirk Ferentz, I think he gets uh, the season Definitely. off uh, on the right. Definitely, side. AJ Epinesa may finish with three sacks. All right, so that's our predictions for Week One. Don't hold us to it, please. <laughs> uh, or if you do, you can uh, complain uh, to uh, to either of us. But uh, this has been a certainly a, a, a fun first venture, and uh, we're looking forward to keeping it going. And we're looking forward to your input too. So if you uh, listen to this. Uh, on uh, Twitter, feel free to uh, give us uh, some questions that we can answer in our mailbag. Yeah. And, uh, we'd, uh, we'd love to address them on future episodes. Yep, please send any questions. You may have uh, Penn State-related questions or Big Ten questions. Um, I'm on Twitter at EHDC12. That's EHDC12. Yep, and you can find me at Kevin Brockway, CNHI Indiana, on Twitter, at Kevin Brockway G1. So uh, for Alton Hayes, this is Kevin Brockway for the First ever First in Big Ten podcast signing off. Kevin, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to your number one source for college football and Big Ten news. The First and Big Ten podcast. Enjoy the games.